Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Hey, man. Hey, fellas. Yes, sir. I'm talking. You remember that all? Uh, and fuck your time with your hands. Oh, yeah. I mean, man, it was a real fucking time. Let me tell you. I never one top break it. The kick be gritty and the bass be stacking. Crowd so wild, I get the mic feedback. And Tamarine Pike, any man, the track be banging. Funky like a chain reaction. I'm forever in the groove and the funk keeps slamming. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lookout Landing podcast after nearly a month in various parts of the country. So in long. Various states of mind. Such a long time. Your favorite podcast is back. Thank I you. am. I am Matthew Robertson. I'm joined by my friends, my fellow bar patrons, my nacho eaters. To my right is Kate Prusser. How's it going, Kate? Thanks for waiting until I put a chip in my mouth. Of course. Yeah, I'm a professional. Yes, I'm, I'm crunching some nachos. Uh, so if you hear crunchy sounds... That's what that noise is. It is that. It's yeah. not me crunching up the bones of Mariner's Prospects Pass, mm-hmm. which is what we've been doing on the site this week. That's true. We've reviewed the bone heap that is left from the 2013 on draft. Mm-hmm. It's been rough, and it's largely been the job of uh, John Troop and John. You know it. Uh, nothing I love more than crunching some bones, crunching some numbers. Um, also crunching Frontier Airlines into <laughs> into dust. dust. Drag them. Um, Drag yeah. them. 
Uh, do you want to clue in the listeners as oh, to your airline experience? Happily. I mean, anyone who has flown, I think, sort of the Frontier, Spirit, Airlines, sort of genre. I'm sure there are some other ones in there. Yeah, that I'm the not Sharknado remember. of airlines. <laughs> yeah. That's the genre. Essentially, the, the long and short of it is, is I was supposed to be back on Tuesday. Was uh, plane, plane got delayed. It was informed three different times that there were different times that I could actually fly. Ultimately, had to get moved to Sunday, which even that I was only able to do because in the interim of trying to figure it out, uh, they had filled up the entirety of the hotels that they had and were were going to be unable to fill a hotel for me. So they were happy to just get me a, a different flight. But uh, yeah, so just spent a more time than expected in Cooperstown, New York, watching ultimately uh, several retired Mariners, including Corey Hart, yeah. Jack Wilson... Oh. Uh, and uh, Ryan Roland Smith, yeah. uh, Mount get, Rushmore, get active, player. yeah, get, <laughs> get active on the on the diamonds. Corey Hart uh, being old enough to play in like a Hall of Fame type game, yeah. makes me feel unbelievably old because. See, but he also always he was moved. Like just a mariner. Just he was just a mariner. Like he was I hated him. I yeah. hated watching. But he also him looked like when he was playing for the Mariners, he looked old enough. Like the way he, yeah, like okay, he yeah. moved his his locomotion was yeah. that of like someone whose limbs sort of had to indiv- he had to send like <laughs> individual, individual brain and it was signals. Cynthia Semaphore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the tube. Of, yeah. He actually had a series <laughs> of tubes. tubes. Exactly. <laughs> He definitely makes Jay Bruce look like uh, one of those UCLA gymnasts. Just yeah, like absolutely, <laughs> exactly. The funny part is too, Corey Hart was signed as like a, an actual guy. Like he was supposed to right. be like the DH who would hit thirty homers and yeah. add yeah. some power to the Nelson lineup. Cruz. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like Ricky Weeks with that year, who oh, was the God. same year, was like, oh shit, like last moment we got to pull someone in. But right. like Corey Hart was planning. Corey Hart was a yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Luckily, we're not quite at the Corey Hart part of this season. Although, I guess we have some Corey Hart cosplayers in a way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. People who definitely. are trying their damnness some to Corey be Hart Corey Hart cover bands. Yeah, it is, exactly. It is pretty, pretty straight, unwatchable baseball. We are recording this. It's Wednesday. The Mariners have just uh, dropped. They've dropped the series to Texas. They yep. suffered two pretty, well, one really bad re- loss today. Not so bad. But still. You're, you're, you're run-of-the-mill. The, the type of loss we were promised this yes, year, right? Yes, the like, blows it loss. The offense does a lot. The defense does a little. Uh, the pitching does a bad. And <laughs> you, uh, you get this. So, yeah. You know. Not some more. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, where are you on the Mariners? I know we're probably all at different <laughs> attention levels here. Different, probably... Mindsets when we are watching a game, I feel like we all probably have different things that we're looking for. Some of us are contractually obligated to watch the Mariners a Correct. little more carefully than others. All of yes, all and of us for are. that we thank you, Fox Media and Kate, yeah. for for doing that so that I don't have to. On my sword. Yeah, because I all speak for myself personally. I really have not been watching. I'll watch if I'm recapping because you people deserve great content. And when I just have nothing to do. So, like, what was it? Monday night, when Vogelback hit the home run to the upper deck, I was watching that out of pure happenstance. Like, oh, the Mariners are on. I turned it on in, like, the sixth inning. And that's kind of where I am with the team. I'm not, like, making time to watch the games ever anymore. 
which I feel kind of bad about, but also, like, I value my own happiness and sanity, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Also, it's, I mean, you are still contractually obligated to watch some of Well, them, yes. So. Correct. Which I have been doing. It's not like I'm completely ignoring them. I'm just saying this it's is, not... This is Matthew's quarterly uh, interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Bass. I know all about him. Yes, yeah, of course. This turns out to be your performance review. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I, I think it's fine to engage with the team at whatever level you can right now, but they're, it's, it, they are playing baseball that is anywhere from like mediocre to bad to straight up unwatchable. And right. It, the problem is you never know what you're going to get. Like yeah. you, you can tune in and yeah, back could be hitting one to the upper tank and that's fun and it really rewards you for watching but most of the time it's going to be bad so John I know that you I feel like you my strategy is to totally disengage like I have one I have the game going but I also have like as many minors games as I could possibly fit into one school like yeah so so my my screen which is a computer screen um, that I've very legally set up to uh, watch the Mariners (laughs) on I'll, I'll typically have like one quarter is like Slack and Twitter in like a tab, and then in like the lower left, I've got the Mariners game, and then on like the entire right side of the screen, I've got like some computer game going, like oh, wow. some like oh, wow. strategy game or something that's like not like super quick paced so that I can kind of go at whatever time so I can watch as much, but but it's like. That's usually how I'm watching. So I'm getting to see a lot of it, but I'm, you know, it's it's definitely sort of degrees of separation, and that's like, it is, you know, it it lets, I, it's very much like, oh, like the Mariners are hitting almost everyone. I want to watch it. Like, oh, you say Kikuchi's pitching. I will watch intently this inning. Yeah. Oh, like Mike Leake is pitching. Uh, if I like see something happen, Smoke break. maybe I'll try. Yeah, like, exactly. Like maybe I'm zoning out. Here. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's it's. I've I've not struggled too much with the past couple weeks, um, and and part of that's just been because I've been traveling. But like the it's, it was especially fun this last week and a half or so having. J.P. Crawford and Shed Long up and playing, and then Kyle Seeger coming back, which like probably won't be that exciting in like a month, but like. But watching the, Kyle Seeger hit Oppo right yeah. now is really fun. And and, and playing defense and watching yeah, ground so balls bad. to the left yeah. side and, and not and, holding your breath. Exactly, like you know. So that was something that was that has made it just markedly better, and and yeah. it feels like okay, I can watch this individual thing for uh, for a specific purpose and, and so that obviously made JP Crawford's injury all the more crushing is like this is a major thing I'm watching for yeah. and fun fun decreased twenty percent. Yeah. yeah it definitely is sort of case by case with each at bat and each pitcher like you said like I like Kikuchi from an entertainment standpoint. Right. Marco Gonzalez is interesting now because he is their best pitcher but he's not looking fantastic or where he was last year so that's a right. whole other wrinkle of watching him. We did get a question that asked um, if he was cooked. Is he cooked? Yeah. yeah, that was the exact wording. From, I believe, Zach... Evan James. Sorry, no Zach. Evan James. Said, is Marco cooked? He was never an ace, but the velocity seems to have regressed from regressed him from third starter to fifth or sixth starter, 
and I'm concerned it may be permanent. Recovering velocity loss to this degree is a rare feat. I'm going to let John mostly handle this, but I will just give my, like, knee-jerk, which is he's not cooked. Yeah, not cooked. I mean, cooked is something that you reserve for, like, Anthony Swarzak, I think, is cooked. Uh, <laughs> I've like seen, an Albert Pujols. <laughs> I've seen my pitchers who have been cooked, and, like, Marco is still, he's not 30, like, he doesn't have a ton of mileage on that arm because of Tommy John, like, right. I don't think that... I don't think that what's happening is anything other than collectively bad baseball, although he is down a couple ticks in the velocity. But I think what's killing him more is just, like, location and missing spots and not having as much depth on the changeup and uh, not as much bite on the curveball and, and you know, stuff that doesn't have anything to do with his arm health, I don't think. Yeah, and before we turn this over to John, who actually knows what he's talking about when when it comes to pitching, Marco is also getting just completely screwed by the defense. Absolutely. There's some stat out there that he has more unearned runs to his name than, like, Mm -hmm. other teams. So six other teams. Yeah. So, like, obviously a big part of pitching is sort of being at the mercy of your defense. Like, that's nothing that he can change necessarily. Like, the ball's going to be in play against 88-mile-an-hour pitches. But it would be a little more comforting if the defense could field the ball behind Marco. Exactly. Marco's going to get the ball's not he's not a strikeout pitcher. Like the ball's going to get put in play against him. But whereas in previous years he's had a defense that was able to handle that. Yeah. uh, And a catcher too. And a catcher who's able to like maybe frame some stuff a little better. Yeah. Maybe throw out some of these would-be base stealers. Yeah. Um, Instead, yeah, it's just it's a lot of soft fly balls dropping yeah, it's a nice reminder, too, that every up-the-middle player from last year is gone. Like, he was throwing to Zanino with Gene and Robinson Cano, who at the very least are, like, competent. Like, you know, they weren't maybe where they were at one point and in their D. career. I mean, D is D out also, out too. too, yeah. And then, you mean Guillermo was a good center fielder? Yep. So. Uh, I think Marco was fine. Um, I, so, fine is, is sort of relative in this sense. I do, I am also worried like Kevin and like all of us about the velocity but I don't think that based on everything that we've sort of talked about like he's still like a he's got a sub 4 ERA his FIP is about right at 4 like he's not giving up more dingers like most of the issue for him at least in terms of results has been that he's getting he's having to go deeper and deeper into each inning because the defense is just it's gone from like fucking up average fucking up behind him right like yeah like at at second base they've gone from Cano to like a combo of D and then Hurt D and Shed and so like that's a downgrade yeah especially I mean D to Robbie hard to say but like the number, like, their double plays are way down. Yeah. Like, Ryan was, like, <laughs> shaky. Yeah, like, you know, a good way to put it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, well, I mean really, like, there was a stretch of time this year where it was, like, unless the it's, like, a fly ball hit to Mitch or a grounder hit to D, it's really, like, a dodgy preposition or proposition yeah. if it's going to be an out. And yeah, that's, absolutely. like, that's what Mike Leake, that's what... Wade LeBlanc, like that's what Marco, that's their whole game. I mean, like, it's arguable that our best defensive positioning was when we had 
Braden Bishop was up, mm-hmm. and you had Braden Bishop in center, mm-hmm. Mitch in right, and D at second, yeah. and that took care of like <laughs> yeah. not all of the slice. Yes, I believe I did a diagram. Yes, your, your diagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Mar- you know, Marco's his his peripherals are not great. You know, he's not getting that many swings and misses, but that's not necessarily that doesn't have to be his game. Right. It's just that the way that his game works is essentially antithetical to how this team is designed right now. But theoretically, the team that is coming, the team that's J.P. Crawford and Evan White and Brandon Bishop uh, or just like Alex hey, doing Elmer. a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And like Heard of him. That, that team suits Marco far better than the one that exists right now and like like he's got like a 63% strand rate so anyway, he, I, I, I think that it's plausible that he's even intentionally trying to work more judiciously with his effort yeah. this year that's obviously totally conjecture but no I think that that's um, a, I mean Marco is above all else a competitor and Marco knows what is happening with this team and he knows yeah. what's behind him and yeah I think the idea of him adjusting a little bit to try to play to his defense or be like, oh, I don't trust any of you. <laughs> like, I better try to maybe exerting a little. Maybe he's, he's overthinking himself a little because he can't trust his defense. He's yeah. trying to think about how to get these strikeouts that like really has never been a part of his game. Yeah, I'm sure that's in the back of his mind or probably even the front of his mind every time he's yeah. pitching, knowing that like if I leave a pitch over the plate and it gets hit to center field, like, I might never see that ball again, either because it's going to go over the fence or because my outfielders are going to, like, lose it somehow. Like, they're never going <laughs> to return the ball to the infield. It's going to land in, like, some sort of weird vortex that Malik Smith creates. And, like, there's a lot of variables here. With his route, like, yeah. he takes such a circuitous route that it creates, like, yeah. a vortex. Exactly. I mean... <laughs> Weirder things have happened, but like the way that this season is heading, I would not be surprised yeah. if Alex Smith falls through the field at some point. That's fine. More playing time for Braden Bishop. Yeah. Oh, all right. Nailed it. Let's so yeah, I don't think that Marco is cooked. Although I do think the Mariners' 2019 season is approaching. It's at least oh, it's, it's being grazed. If it's, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you know what? We want it to be cooked, honestly. We do because they have no prayer. Like. We want to see the guys that we were talking about. We want to see the guys perform. Right. But mostly, we do not want to wind up in the... Really, the worst place to be right now is where the Rangers are. You 100%. don't want to be just winning enough games that you're coming into tough questions about... Like, Mike Miner would be a great trade piece. Right. But if they're winning games, and if they're sitting at... If they're, like, neck and neck with the athletics, who have terrible pitching... Right. If they're neck and neck with the athletics in the division, and it's like you could potentially be looking at a wild card, I think that that is challenging as far it's much. I think it's much better to just suck out loud and get your draft picks. <laughs> yeah. And it's less pressure too for me. Like, oh, 100 percent. I'm curious if you. I mean, Kate, you mentioned you've been big on the minors, John. I'm sure you have as well. But have there been? other MLB teams that you found yourself gravitating to or maybe certain players that you've been watching as your Mariner attention maybe has bumped down a level? 
I mean, I love all the other teams, but yeah, mostly my time is spent. I love any team that is in the Mariners. Uh, no, I like I root against the Astros because fuck the Astros. Fair. Um, and anyone who's playing them. I have my favorites. I have teams I want to see go all the way. Like, so who are those teams? Tell oh, us. The Brewers, yeah. the Reds. Like, honestly, I wouldn't mind the Athletics, although I'm really annoyed that like I want people to be mad at them for not spending more money on getting a pitcher in there. Yeah. Um, I'm actually rooting for the Ra- the Rangers. Like, let's go Team Chaos. I like the Rangers. They're likable people. I like Levi Weaver, who's their beat writer for the Athletic. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a team. Uh, the Rays, I love the Rays. Like, yeah, there's, the there Rays. are tons of people I can get behind, but as long as it's not the Astros or the Angels. Matthew, I know you are like. Because you mentioned sort of being reasonably checked out of the Mariners, but like, I know you watch a lot of baseball. Like you're, yeah. you are notably, I never have to miss a Noah Syndergaard start because you can be informed every time he's on the hill. That I'm is like, a great point. Yeah, if you want to know when Noah Syndergaard is is starting. Shoot, Matthew will follow. Yeah. And Roberson at 22. Yeah, it's mostly nonsense and uh, notifications on when Noah Syndergaard is pitching. <laughs> yeah. Which has been an adventure. He's not been great. No. But he had one game where he threw a one nothing shutout and hit a solo home run. And, like, that is my platonic ideal of a National League pitcher. And yep. he, threw, uh, he threw a 100-mile-an-hour two-seam the other day. Yep. Like, with wow. noticeable run that was, like, at a lefty's hip and then over the plate. And it comes in at 100. You can see him do a little, like... Flourish, like, oh yeah, I fucking nailed that one. <laughs> so he's great if you, I mean, yeah, the Mets are great if you like comedy. <laughs> like, really, the whole. I've Which been, you do, you're a comic. Uh, yeah, so. I've been calling the whole NL East the circus division because you just have no idea what's going to happen on any given day in that division. Like, Bryce Harper's been pretty bad, and it's not even really a yeah. story. Like, it's been very, I'm sure in Philly it's a story, but out here it's been kind of under the radar. Oh, I think in Washington it's a story. Washington, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but they have their own. I mean, they've been terrible. Just yeah, I was gonna say, it's like Patrick Corbin fire. is good, yeah. and then Max Scherzer has an 11 ERA. <laughs> what? Behind him, yeah. Oh, the the, the bullpen has an 11 ERA. Max Scherzer's pitches, the bullpen for the Nationals has an 11 ERA. I want to fight all of them. Yeah, you should. He's great. You can probably fight win. most of them, I yeah. Win. yeah. Yeah, it's like Sean Doolittle... Who's like, I don't want to fight him. I don't want to fight him. He's probably not violent. I love Sean. No, <laughs> yeah. Sean Doolittle and I would like sit down and have a, a conversation where we use a lot of I feel statements. Yeah, he'd right. give you some book recommendations. Yeah. yeah. If um, I can stump for one specific player who I want to see in the All-Star game, and more specifically the Home Run Derby, uh, get yourself a Pittsburgh Pirates television mm-hmm. and watch oh Josh God, Bell. Josh Bell. He's amazing. He is huge, first of all. Uh, left-handed power dad? hitter. His dad, dad is yoked. Yeah. I, I want to see his dad, Marcus Stroman's dad, oh. and who's, oh, Tyler O'Neill's dad. Remember Tyler O'Neill's dad? Yeah. 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 Put like one grill in the middle and Mr. only one of them Mr. can Canada, leave. Mr. Canada, right? <laughs> Break it down for me right now. What's your, like, ideal home run derby? Because I think we got a great start. Yeah. Like, Bell. And we're coming. Well, they just released the All-Star Game ballot, so I'm, then that's, like, the more pertinent thing. Yeah, Bell and Vogey, for sure. <laughs> I think I've actually yes. coined the term, because Josh Bell is a massive left-handed slugger who's pretty bad at defense at first base. He's Daniel Vogel Black. That's what I'm calling him. <laughs> so, him and Vogey, I mean, Joey Gallo's got to be in it, just yeah. in terms of 
500 foot dingers. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Like you need Rowdy Tellez. Oh, the Blue Jays guy? Yeah, yeah. He's Canadian. That's a deep bogey. cut. He's, but he's he's just like well, if you made bogey six four, but like did not remove any of the like you gotta, diameter. You gotta put flat That's what I was gonna say. If we're going Why blue jays, yeah, put flat in Well, there. he just hasn't hit that many homers yet. But like you he'll should get still there. be in there. Yeah. I mean, he'll do it in like a home run derby. You get Derek Dietrich. If yeah. It's oh a my time. God, Dietrich, I yeah. Bellinger would be fun. He's yeah. also like the best player on earth right yeah. now. Yeah, he's like on pace for like a 13 war season yeah. somehow. Like. Hey, you know who has a lot of home runs lately? Jay Bruce? Mark Canna. Kate. <laughs> you can put him in. For the listeners at home, I pulled out two swords, pointing them both at Kate right now. <laughs> She's my blood enemy. Yeah, it's my. My absolute worst timeline is Marcana actually being good because it was even before Slide Gate. I hated him so much, yeah. just for dumb reasons. Like it was a pure sports hate for his face and his sideburns and his walk-up song. Yeah, the balaclava when it's like 60 degrees. It's like this is our summer, dude. You're fine. He's a foodie on Instagram, which tells you a lot. It's a lot of him as the only person in the picture where it's like. Me, like, had a great time, or like, we had a good time, but it's just him. And yes. like, Mark. Me and my friends were yeah. just out of work. <laughs> yeah, also <laughs> laughing. Yeah. Yes. yeah, so don't uh, put him in the home run derby, I will not watch. I think what crystallized my hatred of Mark Hanna was when he tweeted about the slide and was like, illegal. He well lover, actually did. And dare I say, savvy. And it was the dare I say that I was yeah. like, well, now I have sworn an oath to kill you. Yeah. Should I ever see him in yeah. a public he, place? He definitely, like, swooped on his uh, fedora while he was uh, <laughs> and then, yeah. like, I say. Yeah. yeah. He wrote it first with, like, a feather pen and then showed it to his teammates. Like, what do we think? And then he actually tweeted it. Yeah. He had to draft it first. You yeah. Know, you can't, Mark can't rush definitely uses yeah. a, a quill and a... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think all of these are good, like, good and fun options for the home run derby. I am... We have to all get together. I don't care about seeing any Mariners in the in the All Star game. No. Sorry, Omar Narvaez, but get Vogel back there. Yeah. Over my yeah. dead body. Yeah. Get Vogel back. That would make All-Star this season game. a success. I mean, he is like yeah. by far the most deserving DH, and he's good well, with the media. They say the JD Martinez is what the people say is the most deserving DH. But like by actual production, <laughs> I mean, the people. Like, well. <laughs> But like, also just by like. I mean, this was this was like Mike Petrello, I think, on Twitter, and he used the numbers because people did come at him about Vogelback, mm-hmm. and he was oh, like, "Look at the numbers." Is yeah. so. there's there's no there's no, is no actually you know what his argument was? It wasn't the numbers because Vogelback actually I think have you're right has better numbers. It was look at the long term production. I'm gonna take JD Martinez, which is a bullshit. That's the, argument, that's the right? entire that's antithesis bullshit. of the idea. Like yeah. the All Star yes. game is about who's that year, right. like who's who's yeah, popping so up. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, did JD Martinez when JD Martinez goes upper tank at Seiko yeah. or at T-Mobile Park? We can, we can talk. Yeah. yeah, and when the walls. I mean, you'll have to turn around and hit it as a left-handed hitter and get it into third, third deck, but. Because yeah. there's no equivalent on the... It's a street. Yeah. Hit it out of Safeco. Yeah, okay. Hit it out of Safeco. J.D. Martinez, if you're listening, yeah. you coward. Yeah. <laughs> Come to Safeco. Get a ball out of T-Mobile Park or stay the fuck out of Safeco. Or, or you will not earn our votes. For, <laughs> or I will, our precious, heavily Or I will vote votes. for Rowdy Telez ahead of you. 
before we move on, uh, Fran Mill Reyes also would be a great home run derby person. Yep. And uh, Pete Alonzo on, yeah. on Team Comedy. Mm-hmm. Yes, Team Comedy. All right, so as we, uh, we fall deeper into this pretty terrible season, it's going to bring up a lot of sort of prospect talk and draft talk. This season obviously affects the 2020 draft, but uh, the 2019 draft is fast approaching. Uh, I definitely know what day it is on, but I'm not telling you because <laughs> the fun is in the surprise. It's <laughs> June 3rd to the 5th. So it's next week, Monday through Wednesday. And it starts at like 4 p.m. our time. Yeah, but the Mariners have the 20th pick, so they'll be yeah, much it'll, later it'll be than a that. While. And that's like the pregame and all, the, all that stuff, so. Yeah, anytime. Um, we have pick 20, and then we have a third round pick, and then we have a supplemental pick. So it's like 30, it's like 20, 59, and 77. 76 because one player got signed. And we have, I, I'm just going to pump it. We've been doing a ton of draft prep stuff on the website. Yes. So if you are at all interested in that, like we, we've got recaps of prior drafts. We've got a uh, bunch of mock draft coverage. We have our own mock draft. We've got organizational overview of like yep. all the who's there in the system yep. now. And People who the team has supposedly been linked to. Um, so. And you know what? If you're not into the draft because you're like, oh, I can't handle that. Like, no, get into the draft. Get into the draft. Like, be a draft person. Yeah. It's much better. Shut up. Well, like, I mean, yes, you could have other hobbies or whatever. Here's what I'll say. Is I think the way, the way that the Mariners are playing right now sucks in a oh, lot yeah. of ways. And it's not going to give you that same sensation of watching the team every day and getting, you know, excited about the, you know, the possibility of the playoffs and things. But I think it is a very satisfying thing of you get to learn these individual stories, you get to learn these players um, and, and how they come together and you get to see them really develop before your eyes. And you get to do that with a bunch of other people who are similarly invested, similarly interested. So. And it's not just the Mariners, but like maybe you pick out a few guys who are your favorites and they go other places. Then all of a sudden you have stakes and other dudes other places. Um, And you you kind of root for them as people, not just as. And they're kind of, you feel ownership over them. I was going to say Luis Arias. Like that's (laughs) a big time guy that Kate has followed for a long time. Always, always. Uh, Nick Allen, who is actually just in high A in the uh, in the Oakland A's system, which I would never be excited about an A's prospect, but he's a kid who has diabetes, and there were all these questions about whether or not he could play. He has like a pump, and um, you know, I, I thought that was so unfair that like a kid who had clear ability was being knocked down in the draft. It just gets you invested in like kind of the stories. And the stories of the and they're kids and they love baseball and it's very pure and I just that's my pitch. Yeah, you know what else is a fun part of the draft is reading all of these kids' ridiculous names. <laughs> <laughs> they get more ridiculous every year. I yeah, swear. Oh yeah. And this will lead us into uh, a new game that is sweeping the nation. It is called Draft Prospect or '90s Pop Star. Woo. The game is very simple. I will read. Kate and John, a name. They have to tell me, is this an actual draft-eligible prospect or is this a 90s pop star? This was inspired by a game I played 
on my college radio show, which was NFL Draft Prospect or Rapper, which was very hard, actually. <laughs> they have basically the same names, which I learned is pretty similar for white dudes who are making music in the 90s and are now playing baseball. So, do we understand the rules? Yes. Okay. Yes. Extra points if you think it's a pop star, if you can tell me who they are, what they did, blah, 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 okay. what band they were in. All right. What if we don't care who they are or what they did? Then you're a monster. Where they were as long as you love. Oh, I didn't Jesus. know this was happening. Oh. Wow. I, hello, everyone. That's how you do it, folks. I'm the winner of the game. <laughs> Yeah. The game does not need to happen anymore. You know, in this case, you get what you give. <laughs> New radicals, baby. No. All right. Wow. First up, Jacob Underwood, draft prospect or 90s pop star? Um, I haven't heard of him. Yeah, it, I should mention that they actually know the draft prospects. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I haven't heard of him. I would guess draft prospect, but... Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, 90s pop star because I have a better chance of knowing a draft prospect's name than I do a 90s pop star. That's a good strategy. That's a good strategy. Wait, I want to change my answer. Okay. I also want to say pop star. You're both correct. Jacob Underwood was in the band O-Town. Do y'all remember O-Town? Absolutely not. They won Making the Band. I think the first season. Ashley Parker Angel was in this band (laughs) who's a real person. Wow. It's a man. Are they Ashley Parker Angel. Uh, I don't think so. That's I didn't do that much research. Uh, my favorite part, though, from the O-Town Wikipedia page, the band is named after Orlando, Florida, where none of the members are from. <laughs> That's a line on the Wikipedia page. So, yes, Jacob Underwood was in that. All right, next up, John Bissonette. How's that spe- Can you use it in a sense? Uh, John Bissonette is either a draft prospect or a 90s pop star. Oh, Spelling man. is B-I-S-S-O-N-E-T-T-E. That's about right. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I will say... I'm going to say uh, draft prospect. I'm okay. saying 90s. I, th- I think you're running another pop star out of Oh, interesting. Kate is correct. Yeah. He is a shortstop for Baylor. But he is pop star adjacent. This is truly insane. His dad is Elton John's bass player. Wow. Yeah. Don't ever say I don't do research, people. His dad also played with Ringo Starr, uh, ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, and David Lee Roth. So. But did he play with LFO? Probably not. AKA the light funky one. No. AKA Summer Girl. Who, like John Bissonette and New Kids on the Block, had a bunch of hits. <laughs> Boom! And Chinese food famously makes them sick. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised about that for John Bissonette. No. No. Also, I should point out, I don't know if he's actually going to get drafted. This is just a guy who I found who's yeah. draft eligible. Shout out to uh, David Adler had a list of good draft names, which helped. So, Moving right along, Jaron Shelby. Draft prospect. It is a draft prospect. Outfielder for Kentucky, who is Josh Harrison's cousin. Oh, yeah. I also think that 
the name Jaren probably is like a lot like last 15 oh, like that's a good point. 20 years at like like yeah it was maybe coming in then I don't think that's it was a good happening. point like it's like how no one was named Shaq until the early 90s yes. and everyone was named yeah. not everyone but. yeah so Kate's three for three right I am three for three alright this is a real tough one Brian Yale <laughs> spelled like the college pop star I believe draft prospect Oh, John said that was some confidence, and he's wrong. Damn. <laughs> Ryan Yale is the bassist for none other than Matchbox 20. <laughs> who, we laugh, four Grammy nominations for Matchbox 20. It's like the Buffalo Bills. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. he's a ride or die with Rob Continue Thomas. You to, to do what you love, even if you're terrible at it. Yeah. Someone somewhere will reward you. That's a great point. That is a great point. Uh, he's a ride or die with Rob Thomas. He was in their band before Matchbox 20, which was called Tabitha's Secret. Which I don't know if that's a play on Victoria's Secret, or they just thought it sounded cool. This is much wor- more worrisome yeah. than the secret, I Yeah, think. what's the secret? Is the secret that the name sucks? Because that's not a secret. <laughs> Although, what does Matchbox 20 mean? It's all bad. I was gonna say, like, it was it was very much noun number. Right. And that's right. a good point. Like Maroon five. Sun forty one. Yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah. Number. Eiffel sixty five. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Brian Yale, bassist. Little unwell. Alright, I got two more for you. This is my favorite name of the bunch. Oh wow. <laughs> Justin Jeffrey. I feel like this is right in the middle of the Venn diagram. Yeah. I think yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like Because well, you Jeremy Jeffries. Yeah, that's a guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go pop star. Okay. Justin Jeffrey, man. This is a real. I feel like if they're British, that it's well. I mean, if they're British, it's pop star. But if they're American, I feel like it's a a baseball player. So I'm saying draft prospect. It is a guy in 98 degrees. Ah. Yes. <laughs> he is a dear friend of Nick Lachey. They were a in. Dear they were in a barbershop quartet together. Oh my god. Oh my god. Justin's Wikipedia page. That is 100% the soundtrack in the bad place. <laughs> Justin's Wikipedia page mentions that he's a vocal supporter of Cincinnati, Ohio, but like not the sports teams, just the city. <laughs> he loves Cincinnati, Ohio. And since 98 Degrees, he has pivoted his focus on politics and activism. Oh. So, Justin Jeffrey, 2024. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I want to get a look at them. Yeah. <laughs> that does not clarify what they are. Yeah, simply that he's now sort of putting them under the microscope. Exactly. Okay, last one. Kate, I think, is running the table here. I am. Absolutely. All right, last one. Jensen Elliott. That's a draft prospect. That's a draft prospect. All right, is he too, is he too famous? <laughs> Love right, that guy's too good. But he is, yeah, he is a pitcher for Oklahoma State. Woo! And there's nothing notable about him. I just thought Jensen Elliott was a good name. That was very good. Pew, 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 pew. If you needed any more evidence that Kate knows the most about anything, of anyone on the Lookout Landing staff, both pop music and baseball and college kids playing baseball, yes. Kate's got you covered. Yes. All right, so do you guys, you are the ones, you and a couple other members of our staff who do great work, like you said, check out lookoutlanding.com, are pretty invested in the draft. So tell me, I mean, we have some guys who we've written about, or who you have written about, that you're kind of excited about. Um, I guess for each of you, who is, if you had your druthers, who would the Mariners pick at 20? Mm. 
realistically speaking, obviously they're not going to get Adley Rutschman. Yeah, no. Realistically speaking, uh, I would like them to pick Matthew Allen if he was there. I don't know that he's going to be there. He's a probably, I think, one of the best high school pitchers, if not the best. Big writing. I mean. Yeah, and I mean, I saw got- him in the Perfect Game Classic, and he looked. I thought really he looked like a man among boys, even though I yeah. hate that that phrase. But I thought he looked really solid. There's a lot of projectability there, um, but also polish, and that's yeah. the problem with draft with a prep prep pitcher. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's gonna make it that far. Again, I would love to pick Daniel Espino. Like that was I gonna be my pick. Sorry. No. Okay. I'm I'm just I'm gonna go elsewhere then. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna pick something. I'm going to let you talk about Daniel Espino, and then I'm going to make my pick, which is super out of, out there. Bring it. So, go for it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, Daniel Espino would be my preference. Um, he's definitely a very controversial yeah. choice. Like, he was. Um, he started out in, like, the top 10, and yeah. then he was in, like, 10 to 20, and now he's, like, almost falling out of the first round entirely. Yeah. And basically, the issue... Wait, hold on, hold on. He is a pitcher, position player? He is player. a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's a high schooler from Georgia. Okay. Uh, although he grew up in Panama, he moved to the United States in his sophomore year. Basically, so he wouldn't have to go through the international draft. Uh, right. Which is smart. Yeah. Super yeah. smart. Uh, he's about 6'1". He's been listed anywhere from like six foot to like 6'4", and it's kind of confusing, but he's probably in like the 6'1", maybe 6'2", range. But um, essentially just like big lower half, throws upper 90s. um, Best velocity in the class. Best of of any high school pitcher, best velocity, and has two different like very distinct breaking balls, good power curve, good slider, um, sort of a meh changeup, but you could work on that. The knock on him is he's got long arm action, which is true. You know, he's, he's sort of, he, he takes a while to get his arm through, and that people worry, one, will hurt his command, and two, uh, might lead him to get hurt more easily, because, especially because when you're a high schooler and you throw 100 miles per hour or close to it, you're in, you're in dangerous waters. But uh, he's just a really high-character kid, very hard worker, really uses his lower half well, I think his arm action is not particularly bad or long relative to his size. Uh, I, I think he is a possible like top level like frontline starter yep. if it all comes together. And I see why there's a risk there because one, any high school pitcher, no matter how polished they are, is a, a higher risk than any other type of player. But especially in a lousy draft relative a, to other drafts. It's a really bad draft. Um, he's one of the more high high potential guys. Yeah. So that, that's what I like about him. Okay. Um, so sticking with the theme of it's a lousy draft and I think that you have to this is the year to roll the dice and gamble and risk big. Um, I'm going to pick a kid who is not even in the top 100. Oh. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to go with Jordan Brewer from Michigan, who most people see him. And, I mean, his stock, his stock has been steadily rising, especially because he just won Big Ten Player of the Year. But he's a true five-tool athlete. He has speed. He has power. He has the ability to hit for contact. Uh, he's a great defender. Um, 
And then he's just a super high character person. Yeah. And he had kind of a confusing route because he went to JC, right? He, well, he was going to be a walk-on at Michigan on their football program, and then he dislocated his shoulder his senior year, and he lost his spot. Sure. And so he went to a JC, and he picked one that was like deliberately very small, not even one of the, like the JUCOs that people know or talk about. It actually, it's called Indian Trail Community College. It was close to his house and to his high school girlfriend, who's at Michigan State, who's like been with for years and years and years. Um, it overlooks their baseball field, overlooks a prison. Oh. Um, and he would have to like go back to the area that kind of borders the prison and the baseball field to collect the the balls that he would hit out during practice. <laughs> I mean, it's just super gritty. Like he's Native American as well. He's a member of one of the tribes that's in. I cannot pronounce it. I'm not going to say it without looking at it. It's a two P words. It's nope, not going to do that. Um, <laughs> but. So, and his Native American identity is really important to him. He walks up to, like, kind of this cool electronic remix of, like, a Native drum song. Wow. Um, and, yeah, I just think he's he's a, he's a started a charity that or hooked up his baseball team in his first year at Michigan. So, Michigan watched him while he was at community college. They pulled him out. They, they brought him to campus. They worked with him on his swing, getting him to hit more line drives because the Michigan coaching staff is very forward-thinking, I think. Yeah. They're very, like, elevate and celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got him to start putting the ball in the air more, and the power ticked up huge, and he just kind of blossomed. Even in as this Juco kid who hadn't been, like, a big baseball prospect in high school, didn't get drafted out of high school, came in and, like, became the leader of the team his junior year, um, got all of his teammates to participate in, you know, it's called Night to Shine. It's the mm-hmm. night for people with de- uh, high school students with developmental disabilities, the prom night. Got all his teammates to get involved with that. They all took, like, a kid out and had this big, you know, he's just, he's off the charts. And I think if he had played on the Cape, people would talk about If he, if he had any other background, people would talk about him. Yeah. But. I, I recall, I believe he's sort of in that, like, he's, he's somewhere in the, like, 125 to like 70, yeah, like 70s Pipe- range for various places. And Lillian Pipeline has them at like 110. Yeah, I think BA has them around 70. Um, they're the, they're definitely the high ones on it yeah. because again, they're always kind of the high ones on college, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, but I just, I think in a draft that doesn't have standout talent or loud talent, and with the Mariners picking as far back as they do, why not swing? Why not swing? You yeah. know, sign them under slot. If you still want one of the many prep kids, you can use your, yeah. you can use your over slot money second round. Yeah. Or at the very least, take them second round like they did Josh Stores last year yeah. when they kind of shocked the world with that pick. I was going to say, Stowers, I'm, I was hearing a lot of Stowers like... It's a with ton what of, you, with it's a hugely stores like, like someone very well liked, very well respected, who like popped up and like really yeah. showcased. I don't know if he has. He wasn't raised in baseball the way sure. that Stores was. I sure. don't think. I think because he's I mean, like a, hardly, he's a three sport athlete yeah. in high school. You know, he's a basketball, yeah. football. That's baseball that's almost player. an asset in in some. I think it is. Some would think he's the kind of like quit. Twitch, like, just explosive athlete that I think you don't always... Like Kyler Murray, if Kyler Murray had decided to stick with baseball. So, something that we've heard, I would say... Well, not necessarily unfortunately. Wait, did Matthew want to 
I mean, so many to choose from. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who's your begin? guy? We did a sort of whole your yeah, guy. Yeah, we did a guy. I got to sign a guy. I got Brett Beatty. Beatty? Yeah. I mean, that's a good baseball name. Uh, he looked fine. I mean, I, I made that pick because I told Kate, who assigned him to me, that I would like a third baseman. Because I feel like the managers are going to need that. They do. Yeah, yeah so I think I said third baseman or glove first outfielder. Yeah. And was directed towards Brett Batty, who was pretty interesting. He's like 19 and a half or something, but yeah. he's still in high school. Super old. old. Yeah. Yeah. He was interesting, but... but that was Jared Kelnick, too. Right? Exactly, like, yeah. Although he's like still class. like almost a year older yeah. than Kelnick. Uh, yeah, his parents must have just loved him <laughs> and wanted to keep him home. Yeah, which yeah. is adorable. <laughs> I mean, Corbin Carroll's interesting just because he's local. I'm going to be you know, slightly monitoring his career, I guess, but I don't yeah. know anything about him. Um, if there's any USD Toreros, I'm sure they'll do great. But, yeah, I'm admittedly not very well versed on this topic. Uh, you'll learn. You'll learn to love them, though. Yeah, thing, this right? Jordan Brewer kid sounds amazing. I mean, that right? was a great story. Yeah. 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 If they have a good human story, that'll definitely bump them up a few spots on my board. Always, you know? always. And again, like it's a weak draft. Draft guys who have good stories. Draft guys who are good people. Like, right. Having a great work ethic can carry you so far in this game. Uh, I'm being... Oh, this is UC San Diego. Oh, Get this away me. from me. me. I don't... Right. No, that's wow. a different school. But UC San Diego is where Jerry DePoto's kid is. That's right. Sorry, here we go. Chris, okay. Chris Murphy. Chris Jonah Murphy, DePoto. my Torero son, left-handed pitcher. Uh, yeah, take him, take him, in the, take him one-one. <laughs> he sits 90-91, but can rim up to 94-95. Hey, yeah, Chris Murphy. He's at 155 on uh, this is Baseball America. Yep. So that's what fourth, fifth round. Fourth, yeah. yeah. All right, Chris Murphy, if you're listening, come on the podcast. You're my son. <laughs> yeah, even though you are probably like the same age as me. <laughs> um, so something we've heard a lot, we've seen it in mock drafts. We've heard from people who have spoken who, who have heard sourced things um, is that the Mariners are looking at prep infielders and specifically middle infielders yes. that they see sort of big upside in um, and there's sort of a range of people there's Anthony Volpe is one is the name we're hearing uh, most but there's also uh Nassim Nunez, there's Gunnar Henderson, uh, there's Sam Matthew. Cavaco, yeah, Matthew there's, Lugo. Yeah, so th- there's a few guys. But <laughs> Matthew's just sitting here nodding. Yeah, I'm like, so, wow, there's that yeah, many? These, these are all names. I guess of, yeah. of the people, um, of, of sort of that group, which of those, which of that sort of group that potentially is what the Mariners are looking at most in that first round? excites you the most or you know what 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 are your thoughts on that as a strategy as well Kate? um i mean i'm not super enthused by any of these names yeah. to be honest mm. but i do like matthew lugo he's big he's shows some absolute, <coughs> like maybe maybe have a carlos correa type oh. ceiling if, if, and I mean, if you're in a dream on someone, I think that's a great one to dream yeah. on. I was going to say, it doesn't seem like there's that many prep infielders who have panned out in terms of like high draft picks. Like, Correa is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I mean, a lot of Lindor the other, was another Lindor, sure. who, who was pulled. There, there have been a couple uh, recently, yeah. um, but it, it's definitely a, a trickier proposition. 
um, because it takes often right. you pick them and then they need time to bulk up yeah. and time to like both get the strength to hang and still adjust to see like can you still hang defensively sure um, so which is the issue with Nassim Nunez right. who's probably the best defender of all of them but he's but tiny he's very tiny and I mean the tininess helps him as a defender because he can just yeah, he's nimble, yeah. get to any ball and he has a super like cannon arm like 100 mile an hour exit velo on his arm yeah that's um, cool yeah, no, There's a guy is. named Kieran Paris who's oh, yeah, he's actually pretty sweet. Um, he's he's like I know they all super fast. Yeah, yeah. I you know it's it's like yeah. Is K- Kieran K Y R E? I was gonna ask that. Kieran or yeah. I, mis- yeah. I assumed it was Kieran. But I was gonna say like K H for yeah. no reason. Why? Yeah. Um, isn't there like a Kieran Lovegrove or something like that's that? A guy, who's yeah. also a pitcher, but that's not a guy who's eligible anyway. Uh, different spelling, but like. You know, so it's a lot of guys who are like, you've got a tool or like a few tools, yeah. and then something else has to it's pop no, up. It's no slam dunks. I mean, the yeah. only slam dunk is Bobby Wood Jr., who's gonna go like second, second. overall. Yeah, like the Royals are like, yeah, the Royals are zoned in on him. I'm pretty sure Adley Rutschman is gonna go first overall. To the, like to the Royals, people are kind of second guessing it as we get closer to the draft. Because there's nothing else to do but do that. But, and, you know, and, it's like, so whatever, set in like, I think really honestly, good. like the first five, yeah. the first five or six names. I don't know what exact order they'll go in, but those are all pretty much set in stone. And then even once you get into the back half of the top ten, just because it's it's such a thinner draft but like once you get up to like 10 15 things start getting really flexible and then 15 to 20 i think is a huge crapshoot and then the mariners just sitting there right at the lip of 20 that's yeah, it's a, a weird really spot. difficult place to predict yeah very weird specifically spot. with this year i well i mean i don't know maybe it is other years as well last year we had 14 and it was so much easier to kind of it, it was easier it but it was also a deeper draft like it was a, a it is it is probably the worst draft since we've been like really focused on the yeah, draft like the it, it legitimately is a really thin group and a lot of uncertainty i guess something we should raise just because Volpe comes up so much is the signability concern of him mm-hmm. which is that he's committed to vanderbilt obviously a powerhouse program mm-hmm. uh you know headed off to omaha this year but heavy favorites to win the world series um, so to get him away from there, and then also there's some rumblings that like he's an East Coast guy, he's New Jersey, maybe he wants to stay East Coast. He probably doesn't want to come very far away to all of our various far-flung places. He's on the same Washington, team as Washington, maybe yeah. not super. Yeah, perhaps. He's on the same team. Summer. Yeah. He's on the same team as Jack Leiter, who is Al Leiter's son, and is like also committed to Vandy, and also like has a like super high demand, which yeah. you know is so Leiter's as like four you, mil. Volpe you know. uh, is rumored to be three mil, which At least. would wipe out about forty percent of the Mariners' pool yeah. for this draft. And they just yeah. they don't have that much. They have like tenth least. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. It's the same spot as where they do pick, but it's unfortunate that even with an extra pick, they're still not really yeah, really sucks boost all that much. And Whereas that is sort Arizona of Arizona tri- has like sixteen million dollars yeah. or something insane. And and that is sort of a tricky thing with the MLB draft that always is worth remembering. It's like unlike the NFL or MLB, it's not really like or it's not MLB. Unlike the NBA, uh, it's not always just like oh, 
the best player that's here, yeah. of course I'll take that person. Right. It's what combination of like willingness to sign and likelihood to sign because those first ten rounds, any pick that you don't sign, you don't get the like money attached to that pick, yeah. and that can trickle down to you're not being able to sign all these other people. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting, and and it's weird. It's been weird to hear them so zoned in on uh, high school, especially since a Jerry Demoto like led team has never picked a high school player in the first round. Um, yep. Highest was Joe Rizzo in twenty sixteen. Yeah, and that was fiftieth. You know, yeah, or maybe it was forty seventh. But uh, yeah, it's it was, similar to where, where are they? Yeah, where they second pick. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's nine years of drafts and eight years of having a first-round pick. Um, no no high schoolers for first, so we'll see. We sure will. Wow, okay. Uh, let's move to a question because I want to talk again. I was, yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Was like when you're in the car as a kid and playing the quiet game, you know, <laughs> the reward is I get to read Twitter questions. Hooray. All right, uh, I actually love this question. This is from our friend Isabel Manassian. Who has a rare, serious question? Her words, not mine. Uh, do you feel like your Mariners fandom has changed since you started covering the team? And if so, how? Similarly, has your connection to the way you view baseball in general changed during this period? Um, I would say that I cannot be emotional about the team, and I think that that was a lesson that. 2017 taught me and then 2018 really just ground in is like you can't be emotional you have to be really uh, when you do it every day clinical and kind of detached and I mean in a weird way it's almost like playing baseball itself where like you have to just always be able to let whatever happened that day go like oh they lost and they lost bad and but I cannot I was so wrecked last year because it was so fun and I really thought we were going to make it, and then just that crushing disappointment. So, uh, in a lot of ways, having a losing year this year is a is a gift because I don't have to worry about endangering my heart in that way. Yeah. Uh, even though they tried, uh, those little buggers, they tried, <laughs> they tried at the beginning to uh, break my heart again. But no, it's just you know uh, practicing that like. Whatever happened at the end of the day is what happened at the day, and then you just flush it away, and then you start fresh. How about you, Matthew? Yeah, uh, so this is the definition of being a front runner, but it definitely matters how the team is doing. Like, I've only, I started last season, which was the fun season, and like that was the most I'd ever been invested in a Mariners team, and it obviously was like a dream for the first three months or so. And I, you know, had the same thought that you did. Like, oh, it's finally going to happen. And, like, thank God and I'm, I'm actually... And I'm going to be here for it. Like, paying attention. Yeah, yeah and living here for it. Because I had been uh, in San Diego for a couple of years. So having that all happen kind of at once was really cool. And it was a hell of a season to follow. But it definitely gave me an appreciation of fandom and of baseball in general. Where it's like, it doesn't care about you. You know? Yeah. It's like really kind of like life in a lot of ways. Where it's like, you can have your idea of what's happening or your sort of vision of what other people are doing, but it's not actually reality. You know what I mean? Like, we were all like, oh, the manners are so great. This is fun. And then you realize, like, okay, maybe they actually weren't that good. Maybe a lot of it was luck, you know, and the window was one year, and now that window is very slammed shut. So there was a little bit of burnout that came with that, too, I think. Like, having, you know, 
such a high and then to such a low. It's like emotionally it was very draining in a lot of ways. Um, so it's why this year I've kind of kept them at arm's length, I guess. Even when they were 13 and 2, I guess this is, you know, part of being a smart fan. And <laughs> I cringe just as much as you did when I said that. But, like, we knew they weren't actually good. So that's why it was easy to be like, oh, like, they just played 15 really good games and this is a blast, but it's not going to sustain itself. Yeah. So I would say my approach has changed in that I try to be more measured and not just fall head over heels in love with, you know, specific players or specific teams or feelings because it can change in the blink of an eye, basically. One series against the Blue Jays what did it for me last year. Ah, yeah. It's, yeah, it lives in infamy. Um, but, I mean, there's... when I, I can remember, actually, when I was in college, I got to cover a Clippers game, and I talked to the SB Nation writer for the Clippers site who was there, and he told me, like, yeah, I kind of hate the Clippers now, now that I've been, like, covering them so closely, and he was credentialed for games, so he was, like, you know, there every day, because you see, like, you know, I'm not trying to drag the L.A. Clippers by any means, but, like, for him, he's like, yeah, this organization isn't great, like, it's not, you know, the... Yeah. I was gonna say, that was the, like, uh, what's his face? Like, Sterling. It wasn't, it was, was post-Sterling, but still just not a great, it was more, like, what are they doing in terms of signing players? Sure. Like, it was, like, a very top-heavy roster, and okay. you're, like, when you're here every day and you're seeing them at practice and games, like, this is not it. Like, why are we... <laughs> Why was I at home pretending like, oh, they could be the three seed or whatever? Yeah. And it's like, no, your team sucks. That's sort of where I think about that a lot because that guy who had been a fan, like doing the SB Nation thing that we're all doing, where he's like, yeah, I'm a fan and I think I can, you know, understand this team pretty well. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, now I understand it more and I was so wrong. So that's a little bit, it's a little bit of combination of like, I don't want to feel too much and like being... Again, I hate saying this, but smart enough not to yeah. care enough where it's like don't fall in love with the results of, you know, a game or a week or 15 games or whatever. I think it's something that Kate said really resonated because, like, the feeling of playing the game, like, I played baseball essentially most of, like, at least 50 to 60% of the year for most of my life that I've, most of the time I've been alive and, like... I've been on mostly dog shit teams, so like uh, I, I was very well inculcated into like you, you know, not really getting too invested in what happened, and that's not how everyone would respond to it. But I think that that that's just always kind of been how I responded to the games itself. Um, so in, in terms of the baseball itself, it, it, I don't think it's really changed my way of responding on a day to day basis. Certainly, I follow it more in more depth. Uh, but I do think that, especially another thing that I've learned as I've done this more, and that, that's something that I think I've also learned from Kate, although over a longer period of time, is finding a way to home in on the individual um, as opposed to the sort of team as a whole, because... Vampire out the joy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hello, Modesto. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, though. Like, I mean, like, we had that whole spiel about the minors and the draft, and, like, that's really, like, made a big difference in my continued, like, all right, what am I ex what am I interested in for baseball today? So, like, some days yeah. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to put LJ on... LJ Newsom is starting. Exactly. Like, yeah. All right, I'm putting on MILB TV today. Like, oh, like... Yeah. No, it's See, I have, yeah, exactly. Like, I have that with just right. the big leagues. Yeah. But like, I yeah. think that's, I think that's still a big part of it. Is like, yeah. you have to derive joy from it. Somewhere. And, and you got to find it somewhere. And it's like, 
it's sort of like following the NBA, which like I love following the NBA, but like we don't have the Sonics, and there were a couple. Attached, yeah. There were multiple years where I like couldn't watch basketball without being like really bummed. And the way I got back into it was like following individuals and getting really excited about that. And so um, I think following the game and following the sport every day and having to write about it consistently, getting to write about it and having to write about it, you know, it's both, but it, it really grinds down the sort of magic of the game as a whole. Like, I find pretty much every team in baseball grimy and like the enterprise itself is super messed up and like I love sort of the stories of international prospects because they're come from all over the world with all these fascinating stories and all these people who are really smart and talented and they are also like 12 and 13 year olds getting signed by teams that are then like lying about that or like obscuring that and everyone just looks the other way it's like that part super grimy but like following you the sort of cognitive dissonance that you have to hold in your head is the players themselves are what makes this special and it always has been for me that's what I loved about it when I was growing up when I would like read those little like books that were little individual stories about like Oh, yeah. Random, you know, like and that gets uh, into that feeling of like before you realize how bad the organizations are. Like yeah. that guy at the Clippers, like he probably grew up loving, yeah. you know, a, a player on the Clippers in the yeah. '90s, and then gets older, like still has that love for the team, yeah. but realizes like, oh yeah, the owner's wildly racist. Yeah. Or then you know afterwards, like we signed Paul Pierce, or like, <laughs> things like that, where it's like, oh, like you can still love them and also. Hate them. Like, hate the things that they do. Kind of like family. Like, I don't agree with everything all my family members do, but I love them and support them. You know, it's just like, oh, I don't have to fuck with you on a daily basis. (laughs) And it's something that brings all of us together, which honestly, like, I can't, like, I moved back to Seattle after college and did not, like, did not have that many of my friends here. And the reason I, like, the community that I found was the community through this. Absolutely. Yeah, big time. We have another question about fandom. This is from at Garbage Sprite on Twitter. Excellent. What's up? Uh, How do you deal with fans who express their fandom by throwing personal insults at the players? So I'm sure this has come from both stadium experiences. I mean, Twitter is not a great place for this where, you know, a player makes, you know, a physical error, which happens every day, and then someone calls them, you know, they suck or they're an asshole or blah, blah, blah. How do you guys deal with that? I've been at many a game with Kate when she has, I would say, expert heckles where they're not actually <laughs> offensive, yeah. but they're cutting. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, um, I think that for the hecklers out there. That's 12 years of Catholic school. That's, oh, <laughs> that's what that is. That's what it is. Very cutting. It's an extension um, of guilt. Yeah, no, I think just like, it's very easy to be mean on kind of a base level, but I think it, you see this too with the Toast Man in West Virginia. It's just heckling and being an asshole are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like heckling is kind of an art. Um, and just like picking on someone for big, gross things or like even for just making an error or whatever is, is not, not, unlike my height of erudite sophistication when I call him Jumbo Dingus Martinez. Um, that almost sounds like a compliment. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think fans are frustrated and you do see like that bubbling over with a lot of people on Twitter who are just like, this team sucks, literally team, blah, blah, blah. And I think yeah. it's a lot from like people who don't know how hard it is. And also, Little there. League Baseball rules. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not. It's like calling <laughs> someone a woman to insult them. Like, yeah. Not an insult. Like, have you met women? They yeah, fucking they're rock. Rule. Um, so it's. I understand that frustration, but I just choose not to engage with anyone. Like, obviously, running the Lookout Landing account, we get a lot of that. So I just don't engage with those tweets. I've muted a lot of people. Yeah, yeah just, the mute button is a the savior. The mute button is your friend. Um, and I just think, like, and again, it comes a little bit from knowing the players as people. Like, when you talk to them or you know that they're just guys kind of out there trying to do their best, it's like... You're disappointed for them or in them, but it's it's hard to like villainize them that way. Like let's say the villains for like people who are actually villains, yeah. like Roberto Asuna, like Addison Russell, like those guys yeah. you can scream at and tell are pieces of garbage because they're gross and terrible. But like let's not go after just people who are kind of trying to do a job and not do it well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you wouldn't like it's kind of a cliche, but like no other job has people just yelling at them, like, in their cubicle, yeah. like, hey, you suck. Like, that would obviously, no one would like that, you know what yeah. I mean? So, like, just because it's a sporting event. People really, like, lose all sense of rules at sporting they events. Do. They people do. People just like act like they've never acted before. It's crazy. Okay, let's end with a sort of a palate cleanser. Okay, I love it. This comes from, uh, we sent out a tweet asking for questions, which mentioned that John had been essentially kidnapped by Frontier Airlines. So, uh, Grant Bronsden on Twitter asked us, what are your thoughts on airports? A good place to hang out and relax, or a stress-filled hellhole? Uh, or somewhere in the middle also do, is an option. Let's just do, like, a quick, like, we can get into more depth, but, like, pro, like, anti or pro airport. Uh, overall anti-airport. I mean, airports are necessary. I'm kind of pro-airport because it means you're going somewhere, you're changing sure, something. Yeah. And, like, I'm really interested in airports this as... Not, this is not a hand-up or hand-down. No, no, I just no, want to say... I'm interested, in, <laughs> I'm interested in airports as liminal spaces because, like, you're not where you're supposed to be and you're not home. You're in, like, a transitional space. Yeah. So, again, like, rules don't apply. Sometimes so, you're like, there for, like, nine hours, though. Yeah, but I'll eat, like, a lot of Starbucks or, like, sometimes yeah. some McDonald's I think or, it's... Spencer Hall on Twitter who said your vacation starts when you get to the airport so eat 12 Cinnabons or whatever yeah it really is that no rules zone yeah the airport is no rules um and I did work not at the airport I didn't know this but I worked at Shuttle Express uh, which was right outside the airport so that was back when you could just kind of go through the airport when you have to necessarily have a ticket yeah um so yeah, I spent a lot of time in SeaTac. It's a, it's. SeaTac's one of the good ones. And not all airports. SeaTac was home too. When I was getting off the plane, all the t- when I was coming out from college, from living back east, like, yeah, it was it, it was home. So I think airports are contextual. You're highly contextual, but um, and they can be super miserable, and you can be delayed, you can be stressed, and. Um, but also you get to choose how you respond to the airport. Right. I will say I really like the airport once you're at the gate. It's everything before that that I don't like at all. Getting to the airport kind of sucks. Security obviously is never fun. But I love a gate. It's not even fully an alcohol <laughs> thing. Like I know a lot of people love like the drink before they get on the plane. But for me it's just like, I don't know, once I get through security and I'm at the gate and let's say I have like 45 minutes until I'm boarding, that's when I'm like, very relaxed as long as they have good Wi-Fi otherwise then I will probably go to the bar just out of pure boredom but I can remember uh, I was coming home from Austin oh excuse me Austin City Limits music festival and I just treated my body like a dumpster for several days 
and my body was very mad at me for that. But then I settled into the gate in Austin to fly back home, and I remember putting on uh, a Dodgers-Brewers NLCS game that was happening at the time. And I probably just watched like two innings, but I could feel my body like coming back into itself, where it's like, oh, this is what you normally do, this is how your life is supposed to feel like, and this is like... Stasis. It was like you were a couple on vacation, you had like a terrible fight, and yeah. then you get to the airport and you're like, all right, we're going to leave the fight there. Right, and then and I, <laughs> yeah, then I saw Walker Bueller throw 100 miles an hour, I was like, oh my god, I love this, <laughs> and I'm not on mushrooms in a field anymore, so this is much better. So that, that part is nice, like once you're at the gate relaxed, I like that, but it's, I get very impatient right. waiting in lines, yeah. so I don't like that part, no. I agree, I mean, it's... I'm always excited to be at an airport. I hate flying. Like, I don't like the act of flying. Like, I, I'm kind of claustrophobic. Definitely afraid of heights. So, like, yeah. so I'm, like I'm, I'm definitely, like, clenched, just white-knuckling. <laughs> sure, as a You're giant, also very too. Big. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's not like, ideal. I cannot of, be comfortable. Like, are, I, you, are you guys window or aisle? You're probably aisle. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 John uh, just rolled his eyes. Yeah. I realized <laughs> as I was saying. Sorry, I mean, no, 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 I know. Like, he rolled his eyes so hard, oh, I think God, they yeah. briefly yeah. departed the space-time yeah. continuum. But, like, I'm always excited. It's, like, being at an airport means I'm excited to be, you know, I'm going to be somewhere new. And that's always exciting. So, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I've slept in a lot of airports. Like, it's... D3 uh, baseball lights? Yeah, baby. It's uh, it's some hot trash. I can't recommend it to anyone. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's... I, I like traveling. I love being new places. I hate getting to new places. Unless you can that's take a, a train. Uh, trains ah, yeah, are great. Trains uh, but... Yeah. So, hey, shout out to all the trains. Yeah. Shout out to traveling. Hashtag train. Shout out to the Arkansas travelers. Oh, yeah. nice. There Good we one. go. Kings of the Texas League. Yeah. They're like uh, 30 and 15 or something crazy. And yeah. yeah. So, uh, thank you for listening. Sorry for the really long break. Uh, like we mentioned, there was some physical circumstances of John not being hear here. From us anyway. And that part where it's like, I don't, we kind of took the temperature of. The site yeah. and of Twitter, and realize people have We're not, not been. Not even sure if you're here now. Yeah, I mean, this was yeah an hour and ten minutes in. We would not have uh, faulted you for leaving, but for those of you who are still here, thank you so much. The real MVPs. And you will hopefully hear from us soon. You will definitely hear from us post draft. The draft, yeah. yeah. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, we, with with good feelings, yeah. not yeah. why did we draft this guy feelings. Although with baseball, it's so weird because it's going to take like three yeah, or four years know. to even get a full understanding. But so. we will be here with our, our hot take reactions and I will be here crying my eyes out when we don't draft Jordan Brewer. So. Which will probably happen, it sounds like. Yep. So, For Kate's Tears, tune in next week to <laughs> the Lookout Landing Podcast. Uh, bye! Mother Russia in my cup and my glass is fogging up. Oh yeah, hey dog, hey, what's up? Oh yeah, hey dog, hey, what's up? Mother Russia in my cup and my glass